Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studio guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder and fine music as we break out a brand new week. It is a bit uh, chilly. No, it's frigid <laughs> outside the Magnolia State enjoying some uh, rather cold temperatures. The northern third or so of the state blanketed in the white stuff, right? Yeah, whether that be sleet, freezing rain, snow, or even a little bit of uh, ice in some places, on bridges especially. Well, you know, that's the thing about that social media, because all your folks up there are posting their photos. Uh, Oxford looks to have, uh, what, three or four inches of snow, I think, on the ground right now? Yeah, right? and they're benefited by the fact that it started sleeting before it started snowing. So there's a little bit ah. of an insulating barrier between the ground and the snow. And more in the forecast, correct? Supposedly, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to even get down into central Mississippi this afternoon. The dreaded Weather Channel's Jim Cantori on the scene in Oxford. <laughs> it's incredible how that guy's built a name for himself and a reputation. Oh, my gosh, stay away, Cantori. <laughs> But I think with good reason. So I've got a couple of friends from the old college days that live up in Jackson, Tennessee. They have posted photos of their vehicles. Look like they got about four or five inches of snow piled up on them. So, but here in central Mississippi, no precipitation so far. None yet, no. Expecting some later this afternoon. The wintry Got about a 50-50 chance of it, yeah. Well, I will say that I did pay some degree of close attention to the forecast. Say every couple of hours or so, I just check in. It kept changing. Oh, yeah. A lot. Like, it has changed in the last 30 minutes. The, the lows yesterday, or the lows for tomorrow, excuse me, have stated they were going to be 7 degrees, and then 9 degrees, and then 12 degrees, and then 10 degrees, and then 15 degrees, and then 9 degrees again. Okay. Well, I've been watching... Can't quite figure out how cold it's going to be. No, and I've been watching the highs. And so uh, this morning, the high was updated to below 30, whereas yesterday throughout the day, it kind of vacillated between 34, 32, 34, 32 in Madison County, where I live. But now I think, what, it's a high of 20... Six or 29 or something like that. Uh, according to the Weather Channel app, as of right now, yeah, 
The highest it's going to get today is 31, and then is right now. Okay, so now it's 31. So it's been increased just a bit, but that's still below the freezing mark. That's correct. 31. Well, we shall see. Which means you should have your pipes covered outdoors and your faucets dripping indoors. Yep. Uh, I did check in with a couple of members of the legislature, and they say that uh, at least the House, I, I haven't heard from the Senate yet, but the House is scheduled to gavel in this afternoon, as they customarily do on Mondays at 4 p.m. Still got that schedule. And we've got Representative Rodney Hall at 11.05. It is Monday, so we have a two-hour show for you. Representative Rodney Hall from District 20 serves now as the vice chair of the Military Affairs Committee, he being a member of the United States Armed Forces. You know, the other thing we got going on today is the first-in-the-nation caucuses in the great state of Iowa. Speaking of cold, wow. So the question is, will the caucus goers go to the caucuses? I mean, they're a little bit more accustomed to and acclimated for cold weather like this. It's crazy, though, cold weather. Yeah. I think this is the coldest caucus day on record in Iowa. All I can think about when I say it, honestly, is, you know, I'm a big fan of MASH, is <laughs> Charles Emerson Winchester <laughs> always, uh, whenever he had a discussion with Radar, of course, sometimes he would bring up, almost in a condescending tone, the fact that he was from Iowa, <laughs> he being uh, a, a bit of an elitist uh, from Boston, right, Boston. Your beloved Iowa, as he used to say. <laughs> oh, well. So, uh, 1,678 precincts set up across uh, the state of Iowa. That is where the caucus goers go. Uh, some have a very short travel. I, I saw that there's one county. There are 99 counties. Now, I haven't looked at the size of the state of Iowa in terms of area, but just eyeballing it, I'd say it's either about the same or maybe slightly less than the state of Mississippi. But there are 99 counties. I mean, it's really chopped up in Iowa. We have 82, of course. So they think about that. They have, have 55,838.9 square miles. Yep. Mississippi has 46,913. Okay, so it's a little bigger. It just, just a little you, bit bigger. It's hard to tell because we're more of a vertically shaped state and they're more of a square shaped state. So just eyeballing it, I missed it a bit, and that's fine. But still, 17 more counties, and I wonder what the population of Iowa is because that'd be another uh, important comparison. 3.193 million. So slightly larger than the state of Mississippi with 17 more counties. And where I was going with this is, it is my understanding that one of those counties only has a single precinct set up. Now, the way the caucuses work for the Democrats versus the Republicans, and they are conducted by the parties, totally different. In the Republican caucus, which is where all the focus is, 
spokespeople, representatives, address the caucus goers, the attendees, and it's anybody who's registered to vote. They show up. Historically, it's like 16% or so of the registered voters. And then in the Republican caucus, the representatives of the candidates simply address the, um, those in attendance. And I believe they will even field questions. But, of course, it's limited. It gets started at 7 o'clock tonight. And then they vote. And they just simply split up the delegates awarded based on the percentage of the vote. And they have uh, the party set up some electronic systems where the precinct captains will update the apps to show the results, and then that's tabulated, and then they award the delegates. They have 40 delegates in Iowa. Now, these delegates, of course, are those that attend the uh, Republican National Convention. And what is it, 2,600 or so delegates, something to that? Uh, and that number, I think, uh, Rhino, is, is um, at, the, at the RNC convention that will cast votes to determine the nominee. That's when it all happens. Now, it's my understanding that in Iowa, the delegates are not bound. So the way it works is, of their 40 delegates, you just apply the percentage of the total vote obtained by each candidate, and, and you just apply that percentage to the 40, and that's how many delegates you get. So of the 40, if one candidate, let's say Donald Trump gets 50%, he gets half, he gets 20. But I don't think they're bound. Now, I don't know how many times they break the delegates, once they get to the RNC convention and, and just have a change of heart, that's probably highly unlikely. But that's the way it works. It's an interesting system. The Democrats, on the other hand, have a couple... I don't think I've honestly looked at the county map of Iowa for this long before, and I see that it is full of right in or right corners, Yeah, 90-degree angles. Huh. And there's a lot of overlap with names for counties with the Magnolia State. Really? Oh, yeah. Just like famous historical uh, figures? Webster or? County. Okay. Uh, Madison County, Union County. How about that? Polk well, County. Well, it's kind of a limited pool of names, I oh, guess, yeah. <laughs> that you could use for But, I mean, county. even crossover with names, and they may not be counties in the Magnolia State. They're counties in Iowa, but they're communities or cities. you got Kossuth, which that one stuck out that? like a sore thumb because it's right at the top of the map. There's, there's, there's got to be a story about Kossuth County, because at the top of the map of Iowa, you got this row of two counties, and it's <clears throat> one row, another row. They're right on top of each other. And you get to Kossuth, like right in the middle. It's just a double stack. I had no idea. County. How about that? I'm not going to get into it, but the Democratic caucus process, I had to read that one about four times. It's pretty complicated. They have, like, multiple rounds the way they do it, and they, like, go into their corners where there's signs and stuff. It's weird how they do it. Now, I don't have any reason to believe that Joe Biden will not ultimately capture the majority, if not all, the delegates. But, you know, they have super delegates, remember, that are free to do whatever they want and all that kind of stuff. It's a completely different system. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Back to Middays with Gerard, here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're in the Element Well Studio. Representative Rodney Hall at 11.05. Super Talk Outdoors at 12.05. We got tickets to give away. And by the way, Rhino, my apologies. Will and I, of course, did the show Friday. I forgot to give the tickets away. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Also, we should tell you that we have a brand new presidential primary page. It's pretty cool, by the way. And this is all to uh, provide information to track what's going on with respect to the presidential elections, a full breakdown of state-by-state results, delegate counts, and more. You can find it at supertalk.fm slash elections. So our news team, out of the gate quick, already engaged and uh, providing information that you need to keep up with these presidential elections. Speaking of which, all eyes are going to be focused on the percentage of the vote that Mr. Trump receives. And it's the threshold, the the key figure, the pivotal figure, 50%. Now, why is that important? Because if he gets more than 50%, it simply means that more than half of the caucus goers support him. If not, that means he'll, he's still going to, I think, come out with the most delegates and a sizable delta between him and whoever comes in second place, probably 20 25%, honestly. But it means that if he doesn't get over 50%, that more than half of the voters selected a different candidate. One of the, what, four, I guess, Because Asa Hutchins is still in the deal. I mean, he doesn't even come up on the radar. Chris Christie, as you know, dropped out. I mean, for the most part, the focus has been on Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy as the alternatives to Trump. But Hutchinson's in there. you got to believe he's gone after uh, the caucus, because I don't don't know that he'll get any votes, honestly. Um, So, Mr. Trump wants to come out with more than 50%. He sees the greatest opportunity to do so in siphoning off votes from Vivek Ramaswamy. He sees that as his best chance. So he's begun to attack the tech multimillionaire, biotech. Here's a statement he made on his Truth Social platform. Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter quote, the best president in generations, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the, quote, other side. Don't get duped by this. Vote for, all caps, Trump. Don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fall MAGA. And then Vivek responded, Yeah, I saw President Trump's true social post. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. I don't think friendly fire is helpful. Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, and I'm not going to criticize him in response to this late attack. I'm worried for Trump. 
I'm worried for our country. I've stood up against the persecution against Trump, and I've defended him at every step. Remember, he also was the first out of the gate to announce if Mr. Trump is not on the ballot in Colorado, which, of course, removed the former president from their primary ballots, Mr. Ramaswamy also said, okay, I'm off. And he implored the other candidates to follow suit. I don't know that any of them have. I haven't seen that. But it's kind of fascinating to watch the barbs here between the former president and Vivek Ramaswamy, and I truly do believe he sees that as his greatest opportunity to siphon votes, more so than he does Haley or DeSantis, so that he can eclipse that 50% threshold. Now, if he doesn't, I wouldn't say that's like a dire situation, you know, whatsoever, but it, it'll get a lot of attention. It'll get a lot of discussion. Of course, the folks over there at MSNBC and CNN that are totally eaten up with the old Trump derangement syndrome, they'll make a huge deal out of that, will they not? Huge deal. Mr. Trump's faltering. I mean, they'll go crazy, as they always do. Let's see here on the ceasefire text line. Uh, somebody sent us uh, almost up to the street curb in Senatobia. Wow, that's from CC. Look at that. That's a bunch of snow there, Rhino. I'm looking at that. No fun. I feel like I'm in Wisconsin, says Bo in Indianola. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that's right. Sent us a photo. Speaking of Wisconsin, how about the Green Bay Packers? They took care of business. What a terrible game that was. It was terrible. Really was. I mean, I was looking for... Jumped out to, what, a 27 nothing lead? Something like that. And they, I guess, crawled back into it. But then the other game, the Lions and the Rams, that was good. The Lions were going crazy. If you hadn't seen it, folks, there's the Detroit Lions Twitter site posted a video post-game from the locker room, and it's the coach giving out a couple of game balls, and uh, the two individuals, one a coach and one a player to whom he gave the balls, also spoke, and the Detroit Lions organization is describing it as electric. Here's what I'll say, little warning, though it's been beeped out, the F word is in there. Oh, it's maybe every other word <laughs> in these little speeches in the locker room. For those that don't believe that's how they carry on in the locker room, you're sadly mistaken. It is how they carry on in the locker room. But the difference is these are men among men. It's a little different. I'm not a big fan of such language in the presence of females. I'm just not. Call me old school. I especially don't think it's very attractive when females use it in public. But in the, in this particular little... And it is exciting. I mean, the coach I mean, is going crazy. first playoff win since... 32 years? 92. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's right. So, uh, but it... The, A lot has changed in the world since 1992. That's absolutely right. So now we're set. We got two more games tonight, right? Later on today, because I, I think, haven't even looked. I've been yeah, so attention to the weather. I think they were supposed to be played uh, yesterday. So today we got Pittsburgh at Buffalo, 
That is this afternoon at 3.30. Oh, yeah, because you had all the volunteers. Well, they keep using the word volunteers, but they were getting paid something like $20 an hour to show up and shovel out the snow at the stadium. Buffalo, the Bills organization, was, in fact, advertising for folks to come shovel the snow 20 bucks an hour. You're exactly right. Uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo, that's kind of old-school, cold deal there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Have you seen the stadium? They're going to play football on that thing? I don't care how many people they got shoveling snow. It doesn't look like it's ready here in a few hours. I mean, that's Buffalo, though. Yeah, I guess. And then Philadelphia and Tampa Bay is the nightcap, as they say. A lot of They're folks playing in Tampa. In so Tampa, yeah. No real worries no problem about there. Weather, weather, winter weather. Uh, a lot of folks not happy because one of the games on Saturday was a pay-per-view deal on Peacock. <laughs> that was bizarre. I, I didn't expect that. They're doing everything they can to staunch the bleeding that is Peacock. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, they're, it they're go, trying to take well. the must-see TV and put it on there so that people will actually use it. And it only gets about half, if that many, people showing up to watch. Yeah. I mean, just look at what they did with Grandma's stories from soap operas. Put it on the peacock. She'll have to watch it. Or she'll just stop watching her stories. <laughs> that is because true. Because the wood grain tube TV that Grandma's still watching her stories on doesn't get the peacock app. <laughs> that- and it's confusing. I mean, it really is. If you think about it, what? I got to have an app. I got to go to the internet using Roku or one of the other services. A lot of the smart TVs, of course, have internet connectivity built into them. But you got to go find it, sign up, pay five bucks or whatever it is. <laughs> it uh, it got a lot of scrutiny. <laughs> say when that was the way people are saying, "Where's the game?" And it's Peacock. What? <laughs> I don't know that I can remember that ever happening before, right? Did they ever had... Not for a pro game, no. Okay. I mean, you've had college football games that have been on various pay-per-view channels for eons. Yeah. Especially before the SEC network and the Longhorn network and all those other ESPN networks that were just looking for sports content to play. You, you still had games where it was like, yeah, you can get it on this random website. <laughs> That's what's weird. Uh, looks like Biden turned on the old George Bush weather machine to mess with Republicans. Isn't this election interference from outside design? LLC on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Back after these messages. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. propelled the band to being extremely popular 
in their era. Foreigner, cold as ice. That's also a propos for this particular day, because it is cold as ice. It's also Martin Luther King Day. And much respect for Dr. Martin Luther King. I personally believe he'd be aghast at a lot of this stuff that's going on in this country with respect to racism, race relations, and cancel culture, CRT, privilege. Got so many stories I found over the weekend about stuff that's being taught in our schools. It's disturbing. I don't think Mr. King would approve. I really don't. That's not what his message was. It's not what he advocated for. Now, in Mississippi, it's a federal holiday. But in Mississippi, help me out here, Rhino, it's, it's kind of a, a, a also the same day that we observe for Robert E. Lee. Yeah, I believe it's officially titled Martin Luther King Jr. Day, holiday and Robert E. Lee Day. Okay. And then we have Confederate Memorial Day sometime in April, correct? Yeah, something like As that. As a state holiday. Correct. State holiday. So, a, a few facts interesting about Mr. King uh, that I wanted to pass on. He was the first black person to be named Time Man of the Year. Used to be a pretty big deal. It's, I would say it's been diminished somewhat because they're, they're really more about picking people that make some sort of political statement than folks who, I think, truly rise to the level of being selected as the Man of the Year. I mean, that's... It's not really a new thing. No, it's it's not. I agree. It's been it's, headed in that direction. If you look direction. back at the history of Time magazine, they picked Hitler for yeah. 1938 as the man of the year. Okay. Uh, he improvised part of his I Have a Dream speech. His, you know, his, his handlers that advise him on these things suggested that that theme was a bit overused, looking for something again. In fact, they wanted it to be normalcy never again. It's what his folks that advised him on his speaking suggested. But you know what? He ended up improvising while speaking and proceeded with his original idea of I Have a Dream. He's the only president whose birthday is a national holiday. A non-president, pardon me. Non-president. Non-president. Started college at the age of 15. Didn't know that. Did not want to be a minister, despite the fact that his family was was pressuring him to do so. And, and he ended up reconsidering and, of course, became an ordained minister at his father's church while an undergrad. This was a fascinating piece of information I'm going to share with you that I had no idea about. The King family paid the hospital bill for Julia Roberts' birth, famous actress Julia Roberts, from Atlanta. She revealed this. She was born in 1967, said her parents couldn't pay for the hospital. She shared this in an interview about a year ago on the History Channel. She explained that her parents owned a theater school in Atlanta, and that Coretta Scott King asked if her children could enroll. They couldn't find a place that would accept their kids for such training and instruction. 
And her parents said, sure, come on over. And see, all, so they all, the families did, just became friends. And she said they helped him out of a jam. Really no other details other than that. That's, that's fascinating. He was arrested 30 times. And they also believe, the family of Dr. King believes that James Earl Ray was framed for his assassination. I hadn't heard that before, did you? That they really didn't believe he was the one. He, of course, was named after Protestant reformer Martin Luther. So just some interesting facts about Martin Luther King. It is his day today. So a lot of stuff going on. we got the legislature scheduled to convene, 4 o'clock. we got weather moving through. we got the 2024 election season kicking off in Iowa today. A lot of stuff. And you know what else is happening? Those congressional leaders... Up there in Washington, they have unveiled a two-step plan to avoid a shutdown. And it, this plan is receiving lots of backlash from Republicans, some Republicans in the House, not happy about it. And in fact, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia says that she has threatened Speaker Johnson with a motion to vacate over the fact that uh, there's really no comprehensive border funding or policy included in this spending deal negotiated with Democrats. She's threatening to remove Speaker Johnson. You knew it. I mean, we called it here. Well, she's got to have her Matt Gates moment too. Well, and Gates, of course, is part of uh, that effort as well. But they—he's uh, they not the one threatening it. He's not. But they crave attention, I would say. But uh, you know, I too share her concern that this deal does not really address the border situation, which is an issue that is rapidly becoming, evolving to be the most important to voters. So what they've got is a spending deal that's going to pass another short-term CR uh, into March. Here we go again. Well, which, which way do they want it? Do they want single-issue bills, or do they want everything they want in the CR? You know, they don't really say that. I mean, they, they want, I guess you'd say, all the above, but it doesn't look like we're going to get the individual spending bills, the 12, which fund the discretionary component of government, not going to get that. It looks like we're going to get yet another kick the can down the road continuing resolution. But, uh, you know, I'm not uh, an opponent whatsoever. I'm not down on Speaker of the House Mike Johnson. I, I just felt like from the beginning that he, he had no magic formula. He had no approach to really get done what those who ousted Representative McCarthy wanted, and, here, and now he succumbs to it. Here we go again. But, you know, when he was elected, that's our guy. That's our savior. Yeah, we finally we got the conservative gold standard to lead the House. And what's the first big thing that happens here? We get another continuing resolution. Just kicking the can down the road. Same old thing. Same old thing. We're borrowing almost $7 billion a day 
Seven billion. That's where we are. We're headed for another two trillion dollar deficit. And even if we and by the way, you know what else happens first quarter next year? The debt ceiling. We're gonna run into that again with a brand new house. Uh, likely to have a lot of turnover in the Senate. I certainly hope a new president, here we go again, debt ceiling, what are they going to do? Hold the line? I doubt it. I just doubt it. Just can't seem to get any consensus on that. And again, the, the, the small amount of de- decrease in this CR versus the last one, it's, it's less than $100 billion on a $2 trillion deficit. It's less than 5%. It's nothing. As far as if your goal is to get rid of the deficit, balance the budget, start paying down the debt, you're not making any headway. You're going in the wrong direction in that. And none of them have really offered a plan because they won't touch mandatory spending. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, number of other programs. Plus, you got a trillion dollars of roughly of debt interest. So there's just no serious, concrete plan that anyone has put on the table that says, here's how we get there. I, I've not seen that. Uh, DeSantis, by the way, he's starting to attack the former president. He says Donald Trump is running for his issues. While he's running for his issues, I'm running for your issues and your family's issues and solely to turn this country around. I've delivered on my promises. Donald Trump is not. He didn't build the wall, didn't drain the swamp, didn't reduce the debt. I, I don't know how effective that message is. Something else that Mr. Trump said in a speech yesterday that we'll share with you on the other side of the break. Don't forget, we've got Representative Rodney Hall from District 20. He's on the program at 11.05. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. We are back in the Element Well studio. Ben from Madison on the ceasefire text line. Representative Hall has a really impressive resume. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, ben, question for you. Were you uh, able to complete your review of the health care article I wrote? I know you told me the other day that you were taking a look at it. So Mr. Trump, he says in a speech yesterday, 
He said, so do you want to save America from crooked Joe Biden? You must go to caucus tomorrow. First step. Really the first step. We're going to do it. We're going to do it big. You've got to go vote. You can sit home. He says, if you're sick as a dog, you say, quote, God, i got to make it. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. That's interesting. If you're just so sick and you can't, darling, I don't think, get up. you got to get up. You're voting. Yes, darling, ultimately, we know who calls the shots, right? He was addressing somebody in the audience there. Wow. We, uh, we'll see uh, what the turnout's like. I mean, it's supposed to be below uh, wind chills in the like 26, 28 degree range is what I saw earlier with the wind. Uh, I've seen the head of the party, the Republican Party in the state, say that nobody would have to wait outside. And I've seen some weather forecasters say 10 to 15 minutes of exposure, skin exposure to that, you're at risk of frostbite. You're in the frostbite league, right? So you need to cover yeah, but up. without serious acclimation. And we were joking that they're more acclimatized to this kind of weather, but not really. Yeah, I mean, you, their bodies aren't any different when it comes to that kind of severe cold. I mean, you're still subject to the bad stuff that can happen to a human body. If I mean, you've got people that. that live north of the Arctic Circle or live at stations in Antarctica that have spent years at that temperature, so it's not as severe if they have skin contact to that degree of cold. But yeah, it's it's going to come for you eventually, no matter how conditioned you are to it. You, you, you're going to get frostbite if you have exposed skin and negative temperatures for any prolonged period of time. Yeah. So, Mr. DeSantis says, he said it is South Carolina rather than New Hampshire after the Iowa caucus. Interesting. That's what he says at this point. So, and I don't know if that's because... New Hampshire's governor has endorsed Nikki Haley. And at this point, you have to believe they're just vying for second place. Are are DeSantis and Haley. I I just don't see how you could see it any other way. Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling for a pay raise for members of Congress so they can attract better people. (laughs) You can't make it up. You mean you like better than you is where we need to start, right? Robert Reich is, uh, <laughs> as Rush used to say, he loves to attack Jeff Bezos because of his wealth. This was yesterday. Jeff Bezos made over $7.9 million an hour last year. In just 13 minutes, He made the equivalent of what a typical person earns in a lifetime. Don't tell me that the rich can't afford a wealth tax. And see, that's the problem. Right off the bat, listen to that final statement, folks. Don't tell me that the rich can't afford a wealth tax. What that implies is that tax policy should be devised based on who can afford it and what can be afforded as opposed to some fair approach, some equitable approach that simply raises the minimum amount of money needed to conduct the constitutionally appropriate functions of government. That 
a key point to remember here is yeah. the government's idea of affordable. Oh, uh, no what, doubt. What's the official name of Obamacare? The Affordable Care Act, which and is anything but that. how affordable has care been since it was implemented? It has gone through the roof, of course. So maybe don't buy into the government deciding what is affordable. I totally agree. But this, but look, we could sit here and debate that all day long. That's very highly subjective, as you know. My point is, that's not the way tax policy is supposed to be drafted, based on who can afford it. That's not. That's irrelevant. Those are also the same people that can afford to take their toys and go home or find somewhere without said tax. I agree. So, uh, there Which is means a, when they pass it, and then the top end just, all right, see you, we're moving to Fiji. Guess who gets saddled with the what is now necessary for the running of the government? By the way, we're seeing an exodus out of New Jersey which has the highest tax burden in the land as a direct... There's people starting to say it now. I'm out of here because of the taxes. It's time for a break here on Middays. i got to read to you later on in the program a comment to Mr. Reich's post. I think you'll find fascinating. Representative Rodney Hall next after Fox News and Super Talk News. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply. To think deeply and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays, live from the Element Wealth Studio. We're kicking off a brand new week on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We welcome to the program Rodney Hall. He's a member of the Mississippi House of Representatives, represents District 20, appointed as the vice chair of the Military Affairs Committee. Representative Hall, thanks for coming in, sir. Hey, thank you much. Thanks for having me, Mr. Gibbard. It's, uh, it's good to be with you on this nice, cold uh, morning. <laughs> <laughs> so you, of course, uh, from uh, up north in the state, yep. DeSoto County, and you had it, You told me you headed down yesterday. I right? did, yeah. So I, I took a light, uh, look at the uh, the weather uh, last yesterday before I came down, and I saw it was coming. Yeah. And there was a, a big chance that I wouldn't have made it down here if I didn't get on the road last night. Well, I just checked it out. It's still blue across the uh, northern, I guess, 25% or so of the state. It looks like it's just covered in blue, which, of course, indicates snow. And then you oh, come yeah. a little south of that, and you yeah. got sleet, freezing rain, and so forth. Uh, all my, right, so, my son's enjoying it. He's having a snow day. <laughs> That's right, snow day. Uh, you guys are scheduled to convene today at 4 o'clock, correct? Correct. Okay. So the state is shut down because of Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you guys are still planning to meet. Yep, the people's work continues. Okay. Uh, well, I suspect that given the fact that uh, I'm sure the speaker was communicating with everybody, letting yep. them know here's where we are, that a bunch of people headed on down before the weather. Yeah, them, right? and you know, a lot of my colleagues, I was with uh, some of my delegation from DeSoto County uh, last night. Most of us came down uh, knowing that we would have to, to gavel in today at 4 o'clock. So I don't think weather's going to prevent us from, from continuing to do the people's work. And, and so we'll be there at 4 o'clock today. 
Anything in particular on the agenda today that you're aware of? What's happening? Well, you know, we recently got our committees, which you uh, just said that I was appointed to a vice chair of yep. military affairs. I'm pretty excited about that. Yep. Uh, the committees, they'll start forming and, and, and putting together the procedure so that we can start doing uh, work. I've seen a lot of members with their bills uh, that they're going to be introducing, and so I would expect for us to start to get busy here uh, in the next couple of days. Okay. So, as Vice Chair of Military Affairs Committee, please explain to the audience about your military service, your background. Yeah. So, you know, I'm coming up on 20 years of service in the Mississippi Army National Guard. Uh, something I'm very proud of is something that, you know, my dad, he, he was an Army vet, served in Desert Storm. My grandfather, he served in Vietnam. Uh, I served in Afghanistan and Syria. Uh, and so I hold it very dear to my heart. I've been a soldier my entire life. Uh, but, you know, I also worked on uh, Congressman Trent Kelly's staff which he's on our House Armed Services. Mm -hmm. And so I've had the ability to work on defense issues in the state and also nationwide. And, you know, we have a huge uh, defense population here in the state of Mississippi, all across the state. I mean, I've been to places like Airbus up in the Golden Triangle, General Atomics, uh, Stennis, Ingalls, U.S. Marine Inc., uh, we have just a huge infrastructure here, and we have good leadership up in Washington. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how we can leverage that uh, to build a, a more robust defense industry here in, in the state of Mississippi. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. So Mississippi has a, a rich and storied history with respect to the United States military, something we're very proud of. And we, of course, appreciate your service Thank as you. well. Uh, Representative Hall. So, um, you're a freshman. You just got elected, yep. and uh, you're in there. Is it, how's it been? Has it been overwhelming? Or are you starting to get acclimated there? No, it's uh, it's been good. Uh, a little bit slower than I anticipated. Uh, was, uh, but we're starting to ramp up here. Uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to to meet a lot of my colleagues. Uh, get to know them, start to, you know, really dig down into the rules yeah. and just kind of set the conditions so that, you know, we're set to go uh, when we start getting things coming in committee. Yeah. Speaking of rules, uh, of course, that's the first order of business. Representative yep. Fred Shanks from Rankin County uh, is uh, the rules committee chairman. Yeah. So he'll have to sort all that out. Oh, get, yeah. Get that out to the members here so you guys know how to operate. <laughs> yeah. And there's been a little bit of shakeup on rules, so I'm, I'm interested okay. to see how they go. Okay. Uh, of course, Clay DeWeese, he's from uh, the northern part of the state, Oxford. Oxford yeah. Uh, he is a new member on rules, and, mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot of respect for him. I mm -hmm. think he's uh, a very bright individual, so I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, what did you think about uh, Speaker of the House Jason White's uh, speech the day I was there as well? I know oh, yeah. you were. The day he was uh, sworn in, elected to be the Speaker of the Chamber, what did you think about his speech, his ideas, et cetera? What an ex it was inspiring. Yeah, uh, He really led with uh, convictions on what he has in mind moving forward over the next this next term. Uh, I really was appreciative of how he uh, talked about really uh, going after the big issues that Mississippi has, uh, not settling for political points, but really trying to address uh, some of the big issues that we have to continue to move Mississippi forward. Uh, that's what I signed up for. That's what I campaigned on in DeSoto County. Uh, listen, we have been working extremely well. When you think about our previous speaker, uh, even Governor Tate Reeves, Mississippi's been doing a fantastic job moving the ball forward, moving yeah. the needle forward. Uh, but we still have challenges. Yeah. And I, I appreciate both uh, the speaker and also the governor uh, for acknowledging that and saying there's more to do. 
And so I'm excited moving forward, uh, you know, this next year, because we're going to go after the big stuff. Yeah. I want to get this in there as well. Uh, you're mentioning DeSoto County, maybe think about it. Representative Dan Eubanks yes. from DeSoto County was in uh, an automobile accident yesterday. He's fine. Yes. He's personally he fine. But it did total his vehicle, and he posted some photos of his photos. He was in Batesville. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was coming so. down I fifty five. I actually saw him and talked to him uh, on my way down to make sure he was fine. I was going to pick him up, but I think he's uh, I think he's already back. Uh, okay, so he's he's ready to go. Okay, good, good. You know, you, you hate that happens, but we're we're certainly uh, relieved that there was no harm done. Yes, uh, to yes. no bodily injury. So we're we're appreciative of that. But that's never any fun, of no. course. But the roads are tough, so be be careful out there, folks. Very much so. I would tell people to slow down on the interstate, uh, especially as you go across those bridges. Uh, they get icy, uh, and they your car will start to, to spin out of control if you uh, continue to attack it like you're driving on the highway. No doubt. So one of the things that uh, Jason White, uh, Speaker of the House Jason White, said was he, he encouraged members to – to start building relationships with people on the other side of the aisle. Yes. You know, that uh, you remember that uh, uh, distinctly from his speech. And so it doesn't mean you have to have to compromise your principles or your values, but you know, if we start talking in a more open dialogue and respectful civil dialogue, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we and we start to empathize and maybe understand the point of view of others, uh, it's I think it's a good thing. It's it's good healthy debate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, and I can say this about my colleagues on, on both sides of the aisle, okay. I think that we all uh, have the best interests uh, in Mississippi at heart, and we all want to do the right thing. Uh, that does not mean that we agree on all, on how, you know, the ways and the means on how we accomplish that. Yep. Uh, but we got to have those conversations, and we got to be willing to uh, to talk uh, through these issues in order to find what is best for Mississippi moving forward. Yeah. So something that uh, I, I'm free to at least tease at a very high, 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 high level is that, that the state of Mississippi, uh, I think, would be interested in knowing is that we're going to see a uh, an economic development announcement. Uh, yes. There's going to be a couple. Mm -hmm. uh, one that's coming Thursday and another the following Thursday. Mm -hmm. And these are going to be um, – they're, they're going to be really good, let me oh, yeah. just put it that way, oh, yeah. for the state of Mississippi. You, you may have been advised somewhat, briefed on uh, uh, I somewhat. have a little knowledge of okay. it, okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested to see this come to the floor, uh, a special session in a session. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, these, I believe, have the potential to be transformational to our state. Yes. Um, and I think we're going to see more benefit to our state. Mm -hmm. Uh, from such projects, honestly, than any bill we could pass down there at the legislature. Yes. Uh, um, it all starts with that. Well, true investment in Mississippi. When you set the conditions for businesses to come in, for uh, people to be able to go back into the workforce, when you set the conditions, they come. Uh, we have a great, uh, a great population here, a great population base. Uh, Mississippi is a beautiful place to, to live, and, and people are interested in coming. And, you know, I give a, a lot of credit to what the legislature has done uh, most recently with the income tax. I think we need to do a little bit more yeah. uh, to continue to set the conditions for businesses to want to come and invest in Mississippi. That's how we continue to move the ball forward. I keep going back to Governor Reeves in his in his campaign in 2019. He said it over and over again. He doesn't want to make Mississippi just a good place. Uh, for business investment. He wants to make it the best place. Oh, absolutely. And, and that should be our goal. Absolutely. You know, when you think about it, we have three million people here. Uh, we're a small state, but we're a strong state. 
Uh, we have a lot that we can do here as far as investment, as far as bringing other businesses here, as far as the population growth, uh, especially when you look at, you know, DeSoto County, where I'm from, even yep. down on the coast. Uh, we got to continue to in, to encourage uh, and recruit businesses to come here because that is what's going to continue to help help us grow. Well, it's a, it's a very pro friendly business climate here in, that we have yes. in the state of Mississippi. We we really got to sell and promote that more. That's how we get these kinds of projects. No well, doubt. I, I feel that we're doing it. We got great leadership. Uh, Speaker White, he's been doing a fantastic job. Governor Reeves continues to move the ball forward. I, I think this is going to be a lot more of this coming in the in the near future. After the break, we'll dig into uh, some of the issues. Fantastic. We got Representative Rodney Hall in the Element Well Studio, and we're coming right back. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. That's Led Zeppelin? Gee, I didn't know that. <laughs> Isn't that the early days? Yeah, that's off their uh, self-titled album from 69. I was going to say, in the late 60s, yeah. The familiar drum licks of the great John Bonham, for sure. We're visiting with Rodney Hall, representative who, who uh, comes from District 20, Newly elected and anointed member of the House of Representatives. You guys are in week three now. Yes. Right? Going in uh, today at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Speaker of the House, Jason White, has a rather ambitious agenda. He does. Uh, and that's that's always exciting. You've got, what, some 25 or so new members? 25. 25, mm-hmm. okay, in the chamber and, and uh, kind of going through the – Soak it up phase, uh, but that that uh, holiday's about over. And, it is, <laughs> and it's time to get down to work, and oh, you got to yeah. start diving into the issues. Yep, and you know uh, when I think about Desoto County and the delegation that we have, you know we have quite a few members, a lot of new members. Yeah, uh, but when you look at our committee assignments. We just about have someone on every single committee, and you know there's a lot of oh, committees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I, the last number I got was 31. Okay. We have representation on 31 committees uh, coming out of DeSoto County, so wow. that's really good for our area. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I agree. So let's dig into some of the issues. Uh, you, you mentioned a, a moment ago uh, tax and tax reform, yep. tax reduction. Of course, we we had a fairly comprehensive bill that passed a couple of sessions ago that takes out the 4% bracket. The 3% had already been phased out. And uh, and then it starts to reduce the 5% bracket down to a single bracket of 4% of all taxable income over $10,000. That will occur in three years once mm-hmm. it's phased out. That 1% uh, 
of the 5% uh, is chopped off. The governor made it clear, I believe, that his top priority is full elimination of the income tax. Uh, Speaker White addressed that somewhat as well. Seems to be more of an appetite to do that in the House, I would argue, than there is in the Senate. Yep. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, you're uh, you're you're spot on. Uh, I heard uh, Trey Lamar. He also uh, was recently on the show, and I've, I've spoken week. with him as with as, as well. There's a lot of appetite to continue to 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 reform our tax practices and eliminate the income tax. Okay, uh, you know, I think it really just sets the conditions to really uh, open up Mississippi. Uh, to allow other businesses to come down, and that's what we need. That's the kind of investment uh, that we need, and, and we have leadership in the House, and I think we're going to continue to try to move that forward. Okay, so the devil's advocate uh, play in that is purse. That's yes. uh, something I've talked a lot about, wrote an article about. I know members of the legislature are fully aware. You know the speaker's fully aware. Uh, the MML, the Mississippi Municipal League, mm-hmm. was present in the Capitol last week. They were. And that's uh, uh, comprised of, of mayors. Uh, from across the state, uh, current president of the MML, Mayor Toby Barker of Hattiesburg, yep. he and many others uh, have expressed their concerns about this uh, this plan to increase the employer contribution rate and the burden, the financial burden it would place on those cities. Yeah. No, every every point that goes up uh, is is felt across the municipalities, all across the state of Mississippi, uh, you know, across every 82 counties that we have here. Uh, but it's a huge issue. It's a huge problem, and it has to be addressed. You know, I had the ability to, to come in last year and sit in on some of the hearings uh, as they were discussing PERS. Yeah. And so I'm very interested to see uh, how this discussion develops, uh, because it's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, PERS executive director, director Higgins and the PERS board, of course, have advised the legislature of uh, of the financial headwinds the the program is facing and have made some suggestions with respect to increasing the employer contribution rate by a total of 10% over 5 years which of course mayor barker and others at the municipal level have have expressed deep concerns about mm-hmm. their ability to fund that without raising taxes yeah. at the local level correct uh, mainly in the form of of ad valorem taxes and mm-hmm. or or perhaps requesting that the legislature allow them to increase uh, sales taxes, though they only get a, a small portion of that. Yeah, and, you know, I've heard many different uh, uh, you know avenues to kind of address this issue. Yeah, um, I think we're going to start with a clean slate and continue to uh, work on the issue uh, until we find a solution that's suitable. Uh, you know, we got to make sure that we protect the folks that have you know done their part. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of employees that, you know, they, cops, firefighters. Uh, Paid in. Yeah. Uh, they did 20, 25, 30 years, 35 years at times. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel like it would be very disingenuous to, to say, hey, thank you for your service. Uh, we're going to change the, the terms of it. Uh, so uh, it's going to take some creativity. It's going to take some thinking outside the box, and it's going to take teamwork. Uh, across both chambers to yeah. come up with a solution. It's a complicated issue, oh, and I absolutely. agree. There, you, you need a brain trust to, to come together yeah. and make some uh, proposals to solve the yeah. problem. And we need to bring in some experts and, and you know, have uh, a true debate on the merits of the issue yeah. uh, before we come up with a solution and, and, you know, put something into law that creates an arbitrary tra- change okay. that doesn't necessarily uh, address the issue. Let's talk about the uh, citizen-initiated ballot measure process, Representative Hall. I, I think I hear that as much as I do anything from yes. uh, the people in the state of Mississippi. They'd like to see that restored. We haven't had one now for three years. Where do you stand on that? 
Well, we need it back. The people deserve uh, a voice. They deserve to be able to, uh, you know, bring up an issue that is not necessarily uh, has trickled up on, you know, in the chamber uh, and to put it on the ballot. Uh, I'm surprised that it hadn't been passed yet. I, I know the House, they did. They passed something last term. I believe the Senate, they were in a, uh, a different position. Yeah. Uh, but the good thing, the one thing that I'm optimistic about is that most people understand that this is uh, something that needs to be done. Uh, we have to have the ballot initiative back uh, for the people of Mississippi. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. What about school choice? That's another uh, major issue. You know, um, Speaker of the House White has an interest in exploring what we can do to yep. expand education freedom options uh, for the parents of Mississippi. Where do you stand on that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very uh, difficult issue uh, when you think about the different areas that we have across Mississippi. DeSoto County has great schools. Uh, we have the largest school district in the entire state of Mississippi. And they are all largely perform extremely well. Yeah. Uh, but not every place is DeSoto County. I mean, you go in the Delta, you go in Hines County, you look other parts across the state, and some people are just genuinely trapped uh, where they live and where they are. And that prevents them from having opportunities moving forward. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, we need to uh, look at school choice. We need to empower parents uh, who understand uh, their local area and understand the needs of their kids uh, in order to give them opportunity. Yeah. Uh, if we don't, I mean, we'll continue to have a whole trapped geographic area, and that just blocks uh, any kind of opportunity for our youth coming up. We're seeing lots of momentum behind the school choice concept across the country. We've got several states already which have enacted uh, some degree of school choice. Yeah. Florida, this past spring, went to totally universal school choice, meaning mm -hmm. everybody, regardless of their income, their, their circumstances, can apply for an education savings account. You know, the state of Arkansas, one of the first things Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, championed and, and was able to pass. We're here in Alabama's on the cusp of yep. getting something done. I know the speaker's aware of that as well. Yep. Tennessee's looking at it. So a lot of momentum across the country. There I think it's Mississippi's time to get something done. It is. And, you know, the one thing that I am very uh, – I'm keeping an eye on, and I'm sure that you have read this, our, our Constitution, yeah. uh, the, the Constitution of the state of Mississippi. It's long. Yep. It's 200-plus it pages. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there is a provision in there uh, that – specifically talks about giving uh, public money to private institutions. Yep. And so I think whatever solution that we come come with, it has to be in compliance with the Constitution, sure. or we need to change the Constitution. Yeah, totally agree. So I wanted to pass this on to you on the ceasefire text line. This is from the Horn Lake Lions Club. Mr. Hall is a great person, so proud to have him serving DeSoto County. So there you go. Yeah, I got, sure got appreciate a fan it. out there. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so th th those are, I, I would say, among the, the top issues. You know this as well, the, the health care situation in the state of Mississippi uh, needs to be addressed. I think the question is, to what extent can the government involve themselves mm -hmm. in that dilemma? Of course, the, the governor... Uh, proposed to CMS in Washington reforms to Medicaid reimbursement. That's going to drop some $658 million into the state. Yep. So um, that's going to be another one you guys yeah. are going to have to take up. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jason White, our speaker, he, he mentioned that in his speech. He did. And he talked about, you know, not necessarily going with government handouts, but looking for provider-based uh, solutions. Yeah. 
market-based solutions. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of leadership that we need. Those are the kind of uh, solutions that we need to be seeking as we continue to address all the problems across Mississippi. Representative Rodney Hall, appreciate you coming in, man. Thank you, Mr. Thanks Gilbert. a lot. Four o'clock today. You guys will be gaveling in. Headed there now. <laughs> We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. With Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. The gypsy woman told my mother before I was born, I got a boy child coming. He's gonna be a son of a gun. He's gonna make pretty women's. Jump and shout. Then the world wanna know. The great muddy waters. What this all about? We appreciate Representative Rodney Hall for joining us in the Element Well studio. I feel his future is quite bright in the Mississippi House of Representatives and perhaps even beyond. So little woke news for you there, Rhino. You know about this Alaska Airlines situation with the door plug falling off at 16,000 feet. Well, if there's any question about what the airline has been focusing on, like so many other corporations across the Fruited Plain, it's diversity and inclusion. (laughs) So (laughs) I found... A a little short video produced and published by the airlines where they have painted a couple of their airplanes with the gay pride flag colors. They have drag queen flight attendants. And they've got a, a video that, of course, portrays the drag queen flight attendants, where they're going up and down the aisles, serving the passengers with their snacks and so forth. And then they've got, at one of the airports, during Gay Pride Week, they've got their various gay employees that are singing and dancing and carrying on right there for all the passengers to see. This is important. It's a big deal. You know, and it's, yeah, I just looked at one of the airplane skins, fly with pride, with, <laughs> with, the, with the colors on the engines on the 737. You know, there's dual engines, one on each wing. Why? I mean, why? It's, it's not, look, I, I don't care. You want to be a drag queen, want to be gay, you're an adult, that's fine. But it does kind of make you wonder, doesn't it, at a minimum, Maybe you should have been more concerned about the safety of your aircraft than this kind of crap. Maybe you're prioritizing this kind of stuff. And it's a cause for concern. I also saw that a representative, Representative Glenn Gothman, Grothman, pardon me, Glenn Grothman, I found this on C-SPAN. 
This was last week. He went to the well to address his colleagues there in the U.S. House of Representatives. He said that the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has indicated that he wants to reduce the number of white officers in the military down to 42%. It's currently in the high 60% range. He essentially wants to, if you think about it, deliberately, consciously have racial background used in the promotion of military officers. Just another rung in the ladder on the march to mediocrity. Why? Why does that matter? But that's because what's going on. Because half the country are blithering idiots. It's, a, it's sad. This is another situation where we're putting the militant content of one's skin above capabilities and qualifications and experience and skill, performance and the like. The march to mediocrity. Unbelievable. In New York City, mandatory training for all public school teachers on something they have called the wheel of identity. The wheel of identity. You've seen this before, where they've put together these little wheels that are designed to essentially try to carve people into little groups. And this wheel is divided into, like a pizza, you know, cut up into little pieces, triangular pieces representing uh, different categories, but the categories being citizenship, skin color, formal education, ability, sexuality, neurodiversity, mental health, body size, housing, wealth, language, and gender. So, for example, citizenship. Well, if you're undocumented, you're marginalized. You don't say, relative to a citizen, then if you're documented, you're just kind of halfway marginalized. But if you're a citizen, you've got power. Huh? Shouldn't you? What am I missing here? Are we trying to... Of course we are, the left is. They're trying to extend the same rights. It's not that you're missing anything. It's that the proponents for all this nonsense are missing about 30 to 40 IQ points. <laughs> That's probably true. They're all sitting somewhere around 60 to 70 in reality. <laughs> so I noted in the category of skin color that the word color is spelled consistent with the way it is in the U.K. or even Canada with the U. What's that all about? Is there some message there that I'm missing? C-O-L-O-U-R. If you're dark, you're marginalized. If you're different shades, you're half marginalized. If you're white, you have power. It's just more of this crap. Ability. If you have significant disability, you're marginalized. Some disability, you're half marginalized. But if you're able-bodied, you have power. If you're lesbian, bi, what is it, pan-asexual, you're marginalized. If you're gay man, you're just kind of half marginalized. I didn't know that. Is there, like, 
different level of privilege given to gay men versus gay women or transgenders? How does I'm not familiar. Well, no, as a gay man, you would likely only have been marginalized if you were a gay man in, say, the 90s. Now you are mainstream, therefore you are an oppressor. <laughs> I got it. But, of course, if you're heterosexual, you have power. So this kind of crap is being taught again. It's almost like it's a race to be the weirdest reject on the planet. <laughs> in New York City schools, the teachers. This is what they're, they're teaching them, so they can teach the kids this. That's what bothers me. Teach the kids this crap. Let's, let's just group everybody into these little identity groups, and let's make sure we know who are the oppressors and who are the victims, who are the oppressed. But if you're a citizen, you're, you speak English, you're able-bodied, heterosexual, you own property, you're a cisgender man, you're mentally robust, you have privilege. Yeah, the privilege of being normal. <laughs> exactly. The privilege of not kowtowing to the stupidity of woke activists and midwits. Unbelievable. In Denver, in the Denver public schools, they have something they've released called a Black Excellence Pledge. In the pledge, quote, understand the prevalence and deep harm whiteness brings to students. Equity-based revisions to curriculum. Work to dismantle the system that allows certain students to excel, others to perish. And it's like this three-page chart of all this stuff. And it's the official Denver Public Schools documents. I mean, you know this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. It easily gets out into the public square and gets exposed. Meanwhile, in Melrose, Massachusetts, <laughs> they're holding an event called Exploring the Host Home Experience to encourage residents to house illegals in their homes. Unbelievable. They're looking for those to volunteer. I guess if it's volunteer, that's fine, but the fact is they're spending money. The government's spending money conducting these presentations. That's what bugs me about it. Instead of just, hey, why don't we just close the border? I know that's just a concept that they're not in favor of. <sighs> Incredible. Also saw with the state of California, is on the verge of banning tackle football under the age of 12. Now, you can get your genitals carved up at the age of 12, no problem, or below. That doesn't harm, but tackle football... Can't In fact, you will lose your parental rights if you do not affirm your cuckoo child. Unbelievable. So back to Robert Wright, who's all mad about Jeff Bezos making $7.9 million an hour last year. The first comment in this thread, which, by the way, got 169 likes. I will read it to you. This is the 7.9 millionth time you've posted this. Maybe just once you should post it. 3.3 million of your followers buy things from Amazon. And don't tell me they can't buy them from other suppliers. Of course, it's a play on his don't tell me the wealth, the wealthy can't afford more taxes. God forbid people being taught by a Stanford professor should be inspired to think rather than salivate when a revenue-seeking Pavlov rings their bell. What Bezos pays in taxes is not the issue. Why Bezos makes $7. million an hour is the issue. If he pays higher taxes, he'll still be making $7.9 million an hour while laying further waste to mainstream USA. 
Here's what you should do, right, readers. You can solve this problem by just ending your purchases from Bezos. Well, that's the one thing I agree with this guy on. I've said that before. Are people going to do it? No. They'd rather just do it because of the convenience and then complain because he gets rich. Final segment next. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. We're back. We're in the Element Well studio. We got some tickets to give away. Go, Rhino. Yeah, we got legendary rock group ZZ Top coming to the Brandon Amphitheater in Brandon on March the 20th. Tickets for the show are on sale now at the Brandon Amphitheater box office, or you can swing by Ticketmaster.com to get your tickets. But if you want a chance to win a pair of tickets, all you got to do is be the 20th person to text into the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. And I won't count off for spelling for this one, <laughs> but be the 20th person to text into the C Spire text line, Tres Hombres. 20th. 20th. Yep. So last week we were talking about, I think when I had Will on, uh, filling in for you, the uh, the ice storm that hit us a couple of years ago. You were unable to get out of your house. Remember, couldn't oh couldn't, yeah couldn't get the car. Well, it was uphill both hill. ways, and yeah. it just it wasn't going to work with a rear wheel drive vehicle. So it was uh, Perez and I. Perez was pulling double duty, staying in the hotel, uh, just around the corner here, walking distance. And I was talking about surviving off Cheez-Its and Twix bars. <laughs> so Representative Hall heard us discussing that. And he being in the military, of course, he brought us a couple of MREs. I just want to hold these up. Uh, if you're watching television or you on the C Spire uh, TV or on our app, just want to show you what he brought us here. MREs. Does it have the, the choice, the selection on the front there? This says it's elbow macaroni and tomato sauce. That's one of them. There you go. Uh, let's see here. The other one. Is spaghetti with beef and sauce. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> so we That's got, the one you save for the really cold night. We got our meal ready to eat, just in case we get iced in again. Uh, be gone with you Twix bars. <laughs> Probably got some some flatbread or a cracker in there. You got, <laughs> I don't know. You might not have any peanut butter in those. <laughs> That's true. But you're gonna have some some tissue paper and a little Tabasco sauce and all kind <laughs> of fun stuff in there. <laughs> Talking about. The, um, what was this, this privilege wheel that is being taught in the New York City schools. Wheel of identity is what it's called. Wheel of identity. The word identity, that really doesn't belong, I don't think, in society when it comes to grouping people. We shouldn't be grouping people like this based on identities such as is the case with this this wheel which is of course designed to show who are the oppressed and who are the oppressors we certainly shouldn't be teaching this to young impressionable american children this is nuts 
This is the left's plan. This is their goal. This is how they indoctrinate, brainwash. It's sad. It should be disallowed, in my view, in schools. And if folks know of any of this sort of, of content being used in public schools or private schools, for that matter, in Mississippi, I'm curious. If you know of any, let us know. I'd, I'd like to talk about it and possibly ask those behind it to come on the show and even talk about it. But on the ceasefire text line, it's a lot easier to eat a pizza when it's cut into pieces. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, let's see, there's something that Tim and McGee said earlier that, you know, it's another situation where they just shove this style, this airline stuff, talking about Alaska Airline and and their drag queen flight attendants, and they're having this big deal for Gay Pride Month, and they're producing all these videos. They're gay and Hang on, hang on. We've got to have a board meeting to figure out which rainbow coalition flag <laughs> we should put on the side of our 707. That's right. Oh, wait, there's a plane that has a door that's loose, and we can't fly it over water to Hawaii. Keep it in the air. It should be fine. we got to get down to brass tacks. Are we going to use the trans flag, the Y flag, or the LGBTQSRTV flag? <laughs> that is exactly what's going on in the halls of some of these corporations. It's and it's not exaggerating. It's serious. That's what they're talking about. There's no doubt. Oh, and pay no attention to the fact that the black box was completely erased for the flight that lost its door. Saw that or panel or whatever it was. What's going on there? Yeah, that ain't right. Tim and McGee says that's what I'm talking about, shoving this down our throats on the airlines, and the white male is to be discriminated against, and why? We just got to end this whole DEI nonsense. And there are a lot of folks starting to come to their senses and realize that it does more harm than good. It's destructive. Again, don't forget, we've relabeled it as discrimination, exclusion, and inequity. That is the official meaning of DEI here on middays. It's it's counterproductive. Just is. Folks are starting to wake up. Rhino, we get a winner? We did. BJ and Brandon. All right. I wish someone would do a study. Take a black male and a white male from the same area and same school district. Start from a young age and do a benefits comparison through college and see who has the most opportunities available, says Paul and Meridian. It, it's a ruse, in my view, to suggest that in this country, anybody can avail themselves of opportunities. There are plenty out there, and you're not being held back. I just don't see it. Coming, uh, well, we're done today. Back with you again tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.